Welcome, Browns fans. You got Sean Z here. This is specifically for Browns fans. Pod only. It's the state of the Browns. We're doing this quarterly throughout the year. Baker Mayfield, John Dorsey, the squad's got us hyped. Maybe not Hugh Jackson, but we got uh, a, a crew here. We're going to rotate some, some of our staple of talent to talk to Browns. And uh, who better than to do it tonight than to be joined by Farky? We'd fresh off a college pod tonight. We got Rue in the building. And then we've got our executive producer, extraordinaire, one Jer Burris. Yeah, uh, long time no talk. How's it going? If we're if we're talking Browns, I'm jumping in this. Uh, got some clean takes, got some hot takes, got some things I need to talk about when it comes to this roster and the moves that Dorsey made. Uh, loving it. Irrational confidence is sky high right now. Well, and as we've been talking, the Monday Night Man has been AWOL, spending his riches on Lord knows what. I mean, just an utterly absentee father or, or, or uh, landlord when it comes to, to the Browns Hill. Um, so we diva. have to do this on our own. He is his diva. He's holding out like Le'Veon Bell. We'll get to him a little bit later. But, um, yeah, we're diving in. First and foremost, Jer, where can they catch us at? Get us up on Twitter. We've got a whole stable of NEG pods now, but at Glory Podcast is your go-to for all things inside the universe. Uh, Facebook, same thing, Never Ending Glory Podcast on, on Facebook. The, our website, our writer extraordinaire, Luke Grilly, he's doing a great job getting all our stuff out. I'm, while I'm turning out the, uh, the pods on the back end, he's the one writing, putting the pages up, and that's at negpodcast.com. Um, you know, like, share, subscribe. We're on all the networks now. You can find us on, on Spotify. We're trying to get all that stuff cleaned up, but uh, definitely hit us up on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're rolling. Luke came out with an article today. Pretty good stuff heading into week one. So from some fantasy tips and whatnot to go off of there. Uh, so certainly something to keep your eyes peeled for. And uh, you know, the college is popping off. We were on location at Penn State, Notre Dame. Maybe Vandy this weekend, and I know Farky's probably going to get out there to, uh, to to a Florida field, or even at least cop some uh, some high school games. You know, hell, the high school games are better than half these colleges, and maybe even a couple of the professionals. There's um, more gambling being done at the Florida high school games than there is at the, any of the college yeah, professional. Games. That's true. That's, that's hey, Sean, Sean com- coming from a recruiting expert like yourself, uh, the Plant Armwood games this Friday. Oh, that's big time. I told you already a couple of those guys on, on both those teams. So I'm on, keep I'm an on eye out on that. I'll be there Friday. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, you might have to wear a bulletproof vest, but that's what we'll talk about. <laughs> uh, we're talking Browns tonight. We're digging into to the – everybody caught up to the hard knocks. Rue hasn't yet, but he will this evening. Uh, that said, I don't know about you guys. I'm incredibly excited. Farky, what's your primary takeaway overall heading into the season? Where we were and left, you know, January to to where we are September fifth. I, I family, family is the word I'm going to use. Uh, you know, obviously we've been exposed to some some unique things on hard knocks, but um, outside of all of that stuff and just reading quotes that we hear and, and watching interviews uh, post practice. Um, on YouTube and, and internet, things like that. Um, I've just been really impressed at a lot of the statements being made by the players, um, defending other position players, guys taking other guys under their wings. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of that happening on every team behind the scenes, but I, I, I just feel like everyone on this team um, is really going into this game 
against the Steelers week one with a sense of, of family and confidence that's it's kind of been missing or lacking in the last few seasons. So um, coaching concerns aside, which I'm sure we'll get into, I'm just really excited about these guys playing together as a unit and really having each other's backs and enjoying being around each other. I'm going to piggyback on that, Farky. I feel the same way. But I think a lot of that also comes down from the pressure of they have to win right away. You you have Hugh Jackson, who's got one and thirty one tattooed across his chest, and you've got an OC now and Todd Haley and a DC and Greg Williams, who all come from bad uh, either head coaching you know runs or you know from Williams's aspect, he came from some kind of arduous positions as a DC. These guys need to win. They need to show why they were brought in and why they did the flip. And John Dorsey is making big moves right away. What I forget what the percentage of the team is from the fifty nine percent. Fifty nine percent of the team got flipped, right? Fifty nine percent of the team from last year is gone. These guys are proving a point, um, and it's making me, like I said before, and I'll repeat this phrase several times tonight: irrationally confident about week one. <laughs> I'm with you. We're going to touch on that at the back end. Again, this is all all Browns. So if you're you're another team, you're one of these New England, whatever. You're either checking in for the Browns or just click us off. Turn off your station. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Rue, what do you got? What what are you pumped about? I know you got the barbecue. You're probably already like curing the meats right now. Man, I've been prepping for uh, for Sunday since actually the draft. I mean, this is uh, if the draft was Christmas Eve. Uh, Sunday's uh, Christmas Day for me, and that's it's gonna be it's gonna be a heck of a celebration. Get the this cookies and milk out, Santa's coming. <laughs> that's on. right, man. <laughs> Where? Uh, oh man, I've been waiting for this for a long time, and you know, to echo off what Jerry said, it's uh, it, it, it's a must win. Uh, we got to start turning tides here in Cleveland, and I think uh, we're heading in the right direction. I'm just excited about everything going on. I just really can't wait for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the overall theme. Uh, let's dive into it. If we got concerns, and not to put a, a, a sour taste on everything, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think the one thing that I think Hard Knocks exposed to me that I already knew, or maybe to the more of the, the public, is there's, there's some real challenges with this coaching staff. There's an odd dynamic with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. I, don't, I think Todd Haley's a professional. Uh, he does some things that I don't particularly love, but... Overall, I can a hell of a lot live with more of his stuff and his antics uh, by contrast to Hugh and the skunk, Greg Williams, just an absolute shit show of a performance this season. Um, it, it wasn't Jeff Fisher. It wasn't Herm Edwards, but it wasn't a ringing endorsement of his softness, sensitivity, and ability to actually coach football. Jerry, what were your takeaways from uh, one Greg Williams? He. He has his style. He's not going to change who he is, and you know he makes that abundantly clear and pretty much shoves it down your throat. The line that gave me douche chills watching Hard Knocks was the prescription line that he gave about the F word. Um, I think he was talking to uh, – what's the country music artist's name? Uh, Brad Paisley and his oh, Brad crew. Paisley, yeah. And I'm like, why are you trying to impress them? It does. Who cares? Yeah, um, stop acting hard to Brad Paisley. The dude's like oh, a fucking 40 yeah. soaking wet and doesn't even know who the hell um, Joe Batonio is. Yeah, yeah, some Browns, Browns fan. fan though. Yeah, huge <laughs> Browns fan, doesn't know who our starting left guard for the past couple of years has been. Um, Let alone now our left tackle. Right. So, and his name's well, on the maybe. back of the fucking jersey. 
So if you're gonna if you're gonna ask me about the opinion of Greg Williams, it hasn't changed since he was brought in. You know, he's total hard pack, and he makes you he's gonna shove that down your throat. And I can't stand the the little breakdown that they do at the end of their meetings when he, everyone puts their hands up and is, uh, they say ready break, and then I think with the line is come get some bitch. Like, come on. This, that's well, hunt. I think it was like hunt on one of them. I can the live. With, I can live with that. I can't. Here's I, the I thing. Can't stand the it, fake. It's hardness. so tone deaf to Greg Williams and who he is, like, and all the shit he's gotten in trouble for. Like, he just is like always trying to act hard, and the guys that act the hardest are usually the biggest bitches. Farky, right. your take. My take on Greg Williams is, is he reminds me of of that sneaky, snaky weasel guy that is just kind of like doing his thing. But then when he has the cameras on him and he knows they're on him and he needs to say something or some, a, a situation he knows is going to be aired. He's that he's that guy that just throws out the swearing and dropping the F-bombs. And listen, it's all it's all good here every once in a while. But listen, no one cares about how many fucking drop F-bombs you can drop in a matter of of 15 seconds. That's not going to rally these guys. My take on Greg Williams is this guy should thank his lucky stars because he has been hashtag blessed with talent on that defense. Miles Garrett is going to have a season to remember for the Browns. He has a tackling machine in Kirksey. He has a gift of a draft pick in Denzel Ward, which probably wasn't even his pick. He's got Randall, a, a solid guy in Jamie Conn. I mean, you can go down that list. Tons I'm not going to versatility. Make- yeah, Ogba, yeah. sneaky, he, solid. He is blessed. That's my take on Greg Williams. I, I agree. Everything you said with Greg is the same thing you can say with Hugh. I feel like Hugh watched episode one, then watched the rest of him, or knew he was being filmed for the rest of him, and purposely dialed up the swear words uh, to try and kind of match that. I think Hugh's just as fake. They're a match made in heaven, actually. Uh, Rue, what's your take? I just can't stand his coaching style, or if that's even one to call it. I mean, there's literally no coaching. It's just him going yell and cuss and say, this is how I've done and how successful I've been in the past. I mean, that's that hard line. I just cannot stand when he does with, – with that showed on hard knocks. That doesn't – and it doesn't work in the NFL. I mean, it no. works in college because kids are scared, still scared to death. I mean, these guys don't care if Greg Williams is swearing and yelling at him. Well, what's it say, though, when Miles Garrett, and I know Rudy didn't watch it the last episode yet, but what's it say when Miles Garrett's the one coaching Nate Orchard? And that's the most meaningful coaching other than Micah Kendricks giving his scouting report on the Eagles that then Greg Williams doesn't actually say anything after. He just breaks the room up and lets them go. Like, he doesn't say, well, here's what we want to do. There's no coaching around what was actually a lot of meaningful information, the Ertz stuff, the 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 Foles, how he throws the ball, just how, you know, they're linemen, and I'm sure there was more that he broke down on other players. Right. And yet, Greg Williams, they didn't break camera, they didn't cut. He walked off. He said, okay, that's it, and break. And then everybody just like he didn't aid anything. He didn't coach. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend the editing process of Hard Knocks. I'm sure there was stuff we obviously didn't see, but it didn't look good. It did not look good from from a Greg Williams standpoint. And I think there's a lot of that went on with Hugh Jackson as well. The editing of the Hard Knocks did not go in his favor. I would say, if anything, of the three guys, this whole show showed that. Todd Haley might know what he's doing the most of the three. And that's not saying a lot coming with this group, but that's kind of the way it was portrayed. And that's kind of the narrative that we keep hearing in the local media. Now Uh, I've heard it several times going to work. 
is is Todd Haley the guy? And are we going to hear about this the whole season if we start off a little slow? Are we replacing Hugh Jackson with Todd Haley? And, yeah. and to your guys' point about Hugh Jackson and, and his demeanor, is he, he is so fake as well. Sean Gray Point comparing him to Greg Williams, maybe even more fake because we watched it all, how he runs the country club there. And, and that, even with hard knocks there, to an embarrassment for Hugh, really didn't go away. The way he talks to these guys and treats them when they're in their team meetings. And then he, when something happens, he's, he's going to take this real tough guy hard stance with, with like Michael Kendricks. Um, okay, so he's gone. You're, you're cutting him, really? He's facing federal felony insider trader charges. You don't think he's getting cut? That's the example you're going to make? You're, you guys are so tough on, on discipline? Come on. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and the, and the fact of the matter is, is, is it was a little odd that they cut Kendricks. Like, is that moving really quickly or something? Are we missing, or did they just cut based on distractions? Because if that's the case, they've made a lot of other totally irrational thought processes and decisions historically that they seem to be overly comfortable in living with those. So it's a little bizarre. But he's going to prison. Yeah, but how quickly? I mean, can he play this season? Can he play six games, give us a little depth? I I don't care. You know, I guess, like – we're going to cut for that, but yet these guys the cap- are, you know, the LeSean McCoy stuff. There's all this other stuff that's going on. It, it, it is bizarre. Yeah, and, it and is. Not, and not to say anything should happen with Callaway, but look what, how they treated that. I mean, obviously there could be some punishment coming down from legally, but that's going to be outside the, the season, it sounds like. And, well, but, and- but, to Bur- but to Burris's point on editing uh, from some stuff that I read, that conversation with Dorsey and that meeting with him and Hugh was was a little more um, abrasive than what they made it out to be on Hard Knocks. Okay. Well, I ho- I'd hope so, because I'll say this. Hugh didn't get favors editing-wise, then, if, if, that's, if that's the case, throughout the five episodes. And at some point when they, they can only cut so much, and what they put on there he actually did and said, and I think it, it, it speaks for itself. He didn't, again, he, he wasn't Jeff Fisher and Hiram Edwards, but you know, he didn't instill a tremendous amount of confidence um, from what I gather and what I saw. So who's the star of the, the show besides, in my opinion, there's a couple of them. It's, it's Todd Haley, uh, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, obviously. But who's the other star of the show? Baker. It's Baker. Yeah. It, I, I, the fact that Baker wasn't a focal point tells me everything I need to know how he looked at that and how he went about his business and how he kind of steered clear of the camera as much as he could. Like they, a lot of this stuff was almost, they had to force to get some of that stuff in there, which I absolutely love because everything I saw of Baker just doubled and tripled down on every positive and, and kind of gut feeling that I was seeing and feeling with regards to him and what I read. And, well, Jerry, I, I, Jerry, Jerry, I can't. I can't believe you left uh, the most interesting man in Berea, Bob Wiley. I was about to there. say the the star of the show is Bob Wiley. <laughs> I got some thoughts. I got some counter thoughts. But you guys go into the other. The well, other I, got story. A, I got a video. I, I'll, sent to I'll you agree. Today. I'll agree with you on uh, just. You guys can go into your other guys, but I'm, I'm going to agree with Baker Mayfield, and I think a lot of it, it, it can be pointed to the fact that for most people, it probably goes unnoticed. Um, how professional 
a lot of those veterans are behaving around him. Um, I think he has garnered a lot of respect from them because they know where the direction this team's going to go. They didn't make a big play about it on Hard Knocks, and it hasn't really been a lot in the media. But you really don't see a lot of the chatter about, no, no, Tyrod's our guy, Tyrod's our guy. And I think that's because that footage, that film, isn't there. I don't think that kind of stuff is going on. I think that they respect him, and I think they think he's a damn good quarterback. And they're willing to ride out what the scenario is for this season, however it plays out. But he is their guy, and he has proven to them that they can believe in him. Yeah, 100%. Jerry? What about the guy that I think that was not even touched upon at all was Jabril Peppers. There was really no Jabril Peppers noise at all, which was kind of interesting in my opinion. Same with Denzel Ward. Nothing about any of the secondary guys this year. Or Duke Johnson. Yeah, no Denzel Johnson at all. Denzel Ward didn't bother me. I actually had that as as a point here that I wanted to touch on, so good good entry there, Jerry, is the Jabril Peppers part scares me a little bit because we didn't get to see a lot of, of impact footage and and things of that nature from him. And, you know, frankly, he hasn't really impressed me that much. So for him, it's been kind of a a vanilla preseason for me. And I'm I'm really hoping he turns in the right direction. I mean, aren't they talking about possibly taking some return duties away from him too? Well, Callaway's their other returner. So who knows? I mean, Callaway's faster, but I mean, that's, that's Jabril Peppers, like his second best attribute is the return game stuff. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, it was a, a little bit concerning to me that, that we didn't hear much about Peppers. I actually, from what I understood and gathered, is that was a good thing because as it went along, he got better within camp. Early on, I don't think he had was was having the most impressive camp. So I think he was out of shape, for one. Probably, who knows with these guys, but there was probably some issues there, but... I I think it got better. Some of that was with guys in and out, hurt, dinged up. Who's, who's, who's working on the old school typewriter? Rue's typing something up. He's looking up J- Jabril Pepper's facts or something. Rue right? got, got a mechanical typewriter ordered. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, with the Peppers, uh, I think it's a good thing, like Sean said, that we didn't see or hear very much. Um, you know, the only things we did see were a few blips in practice. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be more comfortable uh, where he's at playing closer to the box than he was last year, playing that damn angel position 25, 30 yards back. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic on, you know, how his season might look. I'm not. I, th- I think I think they're going to put him more of a natural position that he's used to playing, and I think he'll be a splash player this year for us. Um, moving forward, he's he's definitely going to be a part of why this defense is good. Um, but the focal point has to be uh, Miles Garrett off the edge. It's it's unbelievable some of the video we saw from not only the preseason games, but what we saw in Hard Knocks just in daily practices. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, he was fantastic. Um, the coaching tidbits and, and kind of how he led, and you know, even he steered away from the camera at points in time. But you know, his his game take is so damn good that you can't you can't really get away from it. So um, yeah, I think it stood up. Uh, what were your guys' takes on 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 Baker? I know Farky, uh, Jerry, Rue. Yeah, I thought he looked great um, from reading the defense, uh, doing the checks at the line, uh, staying within the pockets. 
Uh, the only uh, thing I saw he could do a little better is uh, you know not all the, hold on to the ball as long as he was, but that's going to come in time. Uh, obviously, he didn't see the blitzes that he's going to see in the regular season, but I think that's a benefit of keeping him on the bench for some time, maybe the first part of the season, if not the whole season, just learning from that. And I think that makes that transition that much easier when he does step into the starter role. I will say the most impressive thing about Mayfield this season, this uh, preseason, was some of the deep comebacks on the other side of the field he was throwing, not only in games but with the ones they were showing in practice, the way the ball comes out of his hands and you can hear it. I remember uh, Monday Night Man Mark saying at practice the sound of his ball compared to like guys like Tyrod and uh, Bro- Broby um, is, is impressive, and it showed. Uh, I totally agree with that. All right, so we I got think, a couple more minutes. One more topic before we get into, I don't want to say season predictions, but let's at least talk game one. Before we go to that, <laughs> Rue, you got, what were people's takeaways of the Broby and his and his um, lady friend? She's a stripper. She, yeah. She's, she's <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about her. We've seen I mean, them, and we, we've, we've all tried to take her home at one point in our lives from the bar. Yeah. I mean, she was a disaster. Like, what a spectacle that whole sequence was. And it was so weird that they focused on Kajuice, Nassib, Orchard, and, and Roback. And, like, these guys are automatic cuts. I mean, maybe not Nassib, and obviously he made it, but then he got cut. But, like, they focused so much of their effort on these guys that get cut. And I'd rather... They they kind of give us some of the morsels they gave us the first couple episodes. I went back in my history of, I went back in my history of watching. I, I've watched every season of Hard Knocks multiple times each season, and I try to compare what they did with our guys with what they've been in other seasons. And I don't think I remember any season having this many bubble guys being followed no. around. It's always been about everybody got caught too. I mean yeah. that was. I, Everyone the other thing, the, the success story was Mayfield going to number two quarterback. Like that was the only one they showed that was all that positive. Yeah, I remember the Chiefs season having more about you know Priest Holmes coming back from injury and like when uh, uh what was the tailback at the time he was holding out like that was the big story and then they oh, focused Larry on Johnson. Larry Johnson and they focused on like two or three you know and kind a of bubble guys competition right yeah yes and then. It was way more about like the rookies trying to make the team that had no chance. Not these like third, you know, or fourth year guys that were, as you know, clearly not going to make it as far as we knew after uh, um, the news, you know, b- before the fifth episode. So well, and, and and honestly, we had the first waiver spot, which is a prime real estate. We added five guys from that. Two right. of them that immediately went into our our two deep. Um, Actually, it might be three. And then, you know, another being a lineman who's rotationally in the mix then if anybody goes down. So, uh, in a way, they were in a tough spot because they any bubble guy was probably, if not cut, was going to get cut. So, and they purposely didn't target, you know, some of the guys that were established starters. They wore the, the, the Landry angle out and then kind of focused on some other things from there. So, um, it, it, overall... One of, if not, and not just come from Browns, I thought it was incredibly entertaining. Schefter tweeted that out. Others have kind of jumped aboard that from a national point of view. 
there are a lot of like, oh, the Browns are going to be good and getting a lot of that that type of muster. But then, you know, Peter King coming out yesterday and basically said that they're not going to win more than five games. Their offensive line is in shambles and a problem. So, you know, that's all fine and well. I've already got my over under. and I'm locked in on the over. So uh, I that ain't moving. So whatever the public wants to do, more power to them. Yeah, and the offensive line could even be more shambles if they're going to do what uh, you know reported that they might do here with uh, with Harrison possibly bumping out and starting at left tackle. Um, yeah, that's the rumor that's out there. I I just don't see it. I, I it would be too crazy and it would leave Hugh way too vulnerable if it backfires. Yeah, what's the status? His, what's the status of his knee? Who Harrison? I mean, he he played in the game. He's, he's, he's been practicing. Yeah, he's full practicing and practice. playing. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's an injury. I think it's he needs a red shirt, and Wiley wants to throw him out there. And it, we'll get into the takes on Wiley. Maybe I want to see the season play out. But I'll say this: for as animated and kind of you know as funny as he can be in the gut and everything else, when they're hitting the sleds and he's not talking about second step and he's not talking about you know certain things and and kind of positionally and Kajus's. Now, this is more of the tight end issue, but Kajus is learning to block from Fells halfway through the practices. That's a problem. Um, and at some point, our coach has got to coach a little bit of technique. Like, we just can't expect these guys to know everything all the time. Well, the thing that kills me about a lot of these journeyman coaches is is they say, you know, basically Bob Wiley's on a lifetime contract in this profession. Why? Because he's got 44 years of coaching experience at, at college and professional level. Okay. Uh, who cares? Uh, he's not like you. To your point, it's exactly the point that needs to be made. Is he's not he's not providing any technique coaching. He's done something somewhere along the lines where somebody identified Madden. him doing some really good things, Madden, whoever it was, and they've just hung him around. And now he has forty four years under his belt. No, they, the Madden stuff is he did all the uh, the playbooks for Madden, the video game. Like, that's how he's got – what's the car that he's got? That's how he's loaded. Maserati. Maserati. Yeah, that's how he's got that money. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. I think if you're basing all of your opinion on, on Bob Wiley's career off of one season of Hard Knocks – I'm not uh, saying that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm saying what I'm, we I'm, saw I'm was not exactly uh, – No, it was a caricature of him. Coaching. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. It was It was made to look a certain way for sure. And I don't trust. I don't trust in this rumored change that they're talking about making. If that's if that's all developing, yeah, if they're going to bump Antonio back in because they don't trust Corbett or whatever. I, I I don't know. I Corbett actually flashed a little bit. He had a bunch of mistakes, but I liked what I saw. Uh, plays hard and shape in shape and whatnot. Now he gets out of position a little bit and he struggles to pull. But he you know he also wasn't going to be a guard until about day four of practices. So, I, I, I just don't see how, especially John Dorsey would sign off on a move like that. It just it makes no sense uh, if they, you know, maybe they have you know hopes for the future that he could step in next year and possibly play left tackle and have Batonio's sliding down and have Corbett move to center. But with a week to go before the season starts against Steelers, I, I just don't see it as a possibility. That's a perfect segue. Week one, Steelers. What's guys' thoughts? Where are we at? mentally with uh heading into this game jerry you teased it a little bit irrational confidence um i think we are 
the best matchup we've had with them since probably 2014. Um, if you go offense versus defense, defense versus offense across the line, um, you know, on paper they look way better with you know with Brown and Schuster at wide receiver. Um, but then you got Denzel Ward was drafted for a reason. Um, and his reason was to, you're going to match up against the best wide receiver every week. And we're going to see what you can do as a pup. And you have the best D line you, you've had in years to help you out there. So I'm most interested to see is our D line versus their offensive line. And can they protect consistently over the course of a game? Rue, Farky. I, I agree. This is our best shot in, in years to get them, uh, Steel's got a lot of shit going on, obviously with Bell. Uh, is, is Brown still hobbled a bit? No, he came back to... full go. So he, he, I mean, but they, like, it's a good sent, uh, test reward. Um, but to, to echo off of uh, the Browns D line versus Steelers O line, you know, it's going to be the the best battle on the field uh, Sunday. And, and I don't think uh, Villanueva's got a shot in hell of uh, blocking Miles Garrett, and I think he knows that. So I can't wait to see him tee off. No, they're going to have to slide protection heavy to that side because he has uh, a reputation of of issues with his pass blocking in comparison to his run blocking. So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that take. Group they're they're going to shift to that side, and then um, I guess you know my outlook for the game is I'm I'm with Jerry. I'm cautiously optimistic though. Um, I think I think what they need to do is not hold anything back. They need to throw a punch, especially with big plays on offense. You know, that concerns me more than the defense. And I think they, as much as I like Higgins, I think a majority of those snaps need to go to Landry, Gordon, and Callaway. I think that those three, especially if Callaway, you know, has the plays down, is running his routes right, and he's another guy out there that that is a big play potential guy. Those three hitting on all the cylinders. I know it's only week one, but they set our run game up for a situation that we haven't seen in years. Yeah, I just don't know if if Tyrod's going to be the one to be able to, to allocate or distribute that. That's fair. That's fair. And I think but it's you can exciting. Add, it's exciting to think about. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think you can add Duke Johnson to that uh, that fourth receiving option. I think he's. We're going to see a lot more than we've seen obviously on the preseason from him, and be interested to see how Haley's going to use him uh, in this offense. So I think he's a mismatch nightmare, and I, I just uh, – what are you guys' thoughts on that? You think uh, – Well, I, I think with, them? with the Steelers is they still miss Shazier. They've tried to, 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 to target that linebacker position, but they got thumpers. They don't have uh, the, the type that, that can kind of play in all that space. Um, I think it's still a gap for them. I think hopefully the Browns exploit it. I do think they have to stretch the field pass to run. And, um, you know, I – I think it's going to come down to, you know, Orlandry and Gordon and a couple of our guys. The big, the guys we need to make plays are going to make plays when we need it. And I'm pretty confident Miles Garrett's going to be there. Um, hopefully special teams isn't an absolute disaster. Uh, but, and we've taken the reins off Hugh. Hopefully Haley knows certain tendencies and certain things. Uh, and he's got kind of some tricks up his sleeve. And Greg Williams just kind of gets out of the way and doesn't get too crazy with some of the blitzing stuff and, and and you know isn't afraid to play in base every now and again. That's my biggest concern is uh, is Greg uh, blitzing and putting us in bad situations, especially. Uh, oh, Greg going blitz. 
Yeah, I know. But Speaking that's, of Blitz, that's but like, yeah. I, I got no problem with Blitz, but like, like Sean know, said, like, Ben's seen everything. So let's, correct, let's yeah. maybe every once in a while drop eight. I, and, and the blitzing doesn't bother me either. It, I know it'll put people like Denzel Ward, especially in his first big game, hopefully matched up with Antonio Brown. It, it may be a disadvantage, but I, I just I don't think Antonio Brown having 12 catches for 165 yards beats us. I, to be honest, I'm not sure I wouldn't just double Brown and put Ward on Schuster and, and say, okay, beat us with some of these other guys. Oh, I agree. I just, I, don't I mean, the, guy, the, guy's so good. the guy's so good, he gets catches, period. Yeah. Jerry? Jesse James isn't going to hurt us. I kind of like your, your thoughts on the uh, putting <laughs> Ward on Schuster. Vance, Vance McDonald. Um, all right, so we don't really – anybody got any final takes, uh, Steelers, with the whole levy on Bell? I actually think his lineman, Foster and Pouncey specifically, I don't know if the other guy said anything, but those well, two guys sure – did not did not have good things to say about him. He didn't? Okay. No. I, so I've yeah. to the list. I don't particularly – I don't – here's what I'm saying. They ran that guy to death last year. They have no regard for him. They don't care in that in, in with that mindset, and I do find that rather kind of fascinating or, or ironic that those linemen will kind of take that position when, you know, he's been their bell cow, and as much as you know Ben's been great and Antonio Brown's great, like Bell's kind of a little bit of the straw that stirs that drink for them. He does unique things and makes those linemen a hell of a lot better and paid a hell of a lot more than they probably deserve. And you know what? It, 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 to his defense, they didn't do him a lot of favors last year on how they performed as a unit. I mean, he went from uh, – what did I see doing a, a fantasy draft? He went from something like 4.9 yards per carry two years ago to four yards a carry last year. And that's because, like what you said, Sean, they just buried him into the line carry after carry last year. Rue, I know you got some takes there too. Yeah, I mean, it's in typical Steelers fashion. You can go back to the whole Mike Webster thing, use and abuse them and ditch them. I mean, it's it's uh, how they operate, and it's a uh, it's a uh, secret that uh, a lot of the media doesn't like to touch upon how, how dirty of an organization they are in that regard. I mean, it's the same thing they're doing with with Bell, and that that, that situation can be interesting because I don't think the Steelers are going to budge. Uh, on giving him the kind of money he wants, and they're going to do the same thing if he does come back and play, which is what he have three hundred fifty carries last year, something they're like that. Beat the hell out of him, and I, I think hell, that's yeah. actually I think his agent's got to him a little bit and says, "Listen, like, what are you getting out of this?" And they're going to do this for this year, and then you're going to be damaged goods, and Lord forbid you get hurt. So I, I think it's a tricky situation. I th- it has some Emmett Smith what was at ninety three only. Everybody knew sooner or later Emmett was coming back. The Bell thing is a little bit more. If if James Conner pops a little bit, Steelers could just kind of let this play it out and and, and kind of just let it go um, and worry about it, you know, down the road or or later in the season. So I think it's buyer beware if you got him on fantasy. Jerry, any final take with regards to Le'Veon and their situation? No, I just don't think this will ever come to uh, like the resolution that he wants. Um, I don't see him. Probably even being a Steeler next year. Um, so, oh no, I don't think there's any question. There's yeah. no way it's Steeler next year. I thought honestly, I thought they were going to draft Kerryon Johnson this year and 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 beg someone to try and take Bell. Here's so. the other thing too about the Steelers is they think that in their minds there's still some elite offense, and they're not. Their their offensive line is is not. I'll an put elite it this way: their line. stats on the road, and this is why I think the Browns have the best chance. That, that they've had an open in a while, 
their stats on the road are not kind. And last year we took them down to the wire with Deshaun Kaiser and whatever the hell Hugh was trying to do throughout that game at points. So the personnel is a hell of a lot better. So Pittsburgh better be ready to play. And they're talking about an awful lot of distractions right now. And that line's moved quite a bit. And it get opened at six. It's down to four, four and a half. Um, for NFL, that's a lot. And it might keep moving that way, particularly with this bell news. So, um, Something to watch. All right, final predictions, and we'll wrap this up. Farky, what do you got? For the season, I have Browns 7-9. and nine. I have wins against the Steelers week one, Jets, Raiders, Bucks, Falcons, and twice against the Bengals. I don't think we beat the Ravens. Uh, I think they're, they're sneaky solid, and I'm going to go for a week one prediction against the Steelers. Win 24-17. Rue. I'm going to go 7-9 and nine for the season. And for this game, I think we're up 20-14, to 14, final minutes of the game. Uh, Steelers are driving, and we get a big uh, strip sack from Miles Garrett. Browns win. I go outside and uh, do a Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin celebration. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild, baby. Jerry, what do you got? <laughs> A little more pessimistic on the season. I think we go six and ten. Uh, sadly, Hugh Jackson keeps his job. Lather, rinse, repeat. Draft the left tackle in next year's draft. We start talking about that by um, I'm going to say my birthday in November. Um, and but this I'll start week, sending you left tackles. I've already got a list. I've actually talked to to the Monday night man and Rue about this, um, you know, kind of in different sidebars. But, yeah, I've got a list of college left tackles. This weekend, I think we do get the victory. I think it's 23-13 Brownies. So it's interesting. I got twenty. I got 23-17 Browns. I got us at um, – I think it's 6-10 as well. I think Hugh sticks around somehow. Uh, I do think Hugh's in range next year. Because next year's the pivot season. Um, I think we do. We add either you know alignment or possibly uh, an impact, um, another impact defender. Uh, I I, I tr- tend to think unless they like what they see from Harrison and he kind of comes on late in the season, they'll probably target that way regardless. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of progress. I think Mayfield's in probably when we get to week nine. Um, maybe 10 just because they'll want to play it out until we're out of the hunt. And uh, I think once we get that seventh loss, Baker's in range. I think we win game one. I think we are all of a sudden two and one after beating the Jets, I think, in week three on a short week. And then three or four in a row losing streak. And then it it starts to get a little squirrely on us. But uh, I think overall compared to one win over the last 32 games, uh, we'll, we'll take anything that, that, that's got some crooked numbers in that win column. I do have one quick, one quick question for you guys regarding uh, season expectations. So what do, you, what do you think the win total is or the expectation is for Jimmy Haslam that keeps the trap door intact underneath Hughes for this season? Four. Let's say five. Uh, that's it, huh? I think he's got to. I think he's got to win five, and he can't lose. He can't go over against the AFC North. Yeah, I, he he definitely has to win a rivalry game or two, and he also can't 
do the reverse Mangini and lose the last five games of the season. I think that's actually a big factor as well. That's a good point. All right, so like that, that wraps term, it. Reverse uh, Mangini. We're gonna have to yeah, use that. Yeah, that was always the thing with him that kept him around for two years. Now, all, all together though, he was probably the best tactician we've had since we've been back. But uh, okay, state of the Browns wrapped up. Heading into game one, you got our predictions, you got our takes, post-hard knocks. Um, let's have at it, guys. Let's get it started. Fantasy football, Cleveland Browns football, college football season gearing into week two. You heard it here and catch it all on the NEG pod. And uh, keep following us, keep listening, throw some five-star ratings, get your shit together. And, um, you know, what else are you going to listen to? A bunch of other garbage, Skip Bayless, Jason Whitlock, Callum Calturd, a bunch of losers, <laughs> hacks. Get with the new blood. Get with the new age. Anything else, fellas? Here we go, brownies. Go browns, baby. All right, let's put a bow on it. That's it and that's all. And just remember, no matter what, not Josh Allen. No matter what. <laughs>